Welcome to What You Say in English, the podcast where you can get feedback on your speaking skills. Just send your recording, and Frank will tell you what you're doing great and where you probably need to improve on. What are you waiting for? We want to hear what you say in English. Welcome to episode 23 of What You Say in English. As you all know, I'm Frank, and this is the second installment of a series of a f- uh, four episodes in which I tried to make sense of the IELTS speaking criteria. For all of you out there, people struggling to get the desired band score you need to enter a college in the UK, or if you're trying to settle down in one of the countries of the British Commonwealth especially in Canada and Australia. Maybe I didn't explain this last week, but Australia and Canada have a system through which you can get the legal residency. Uh, one of the requirements is to get uh, a specific band score that they establish after they analyze your situation. I have prepared people uh, when when they have to do the, they have to face an interview and in the interview they Uh, they, they get analyzed. I mean, all the things that they have done, like th- it's like a job interview. So basically what what you do is you show how much you've done and how much you can, you know, give to the society. And uh, in, in one, this is one of the requirements. Some people need a 6.5, but others, especially those who wish to work in professional areas, will be required to get a 7 or even an 8. I've heard about cases in which you know, they need an, an, an eight. So I'd, I'd say you should check how much you need to get, because in order to get that band score, you'll have to work on the marking criteria I'm trying to explain here. Uh, but before we delve into what I have prepared for today, let's take a listen to our sponsor. How long have you been preparing for your IELTS exam and still don't know how to improve? TakeIELTS.net takes your exam preparation a step further by mixing real-life mock exams with full reports on your performance, written by real IELTS examiners. More than 53,000 test takers have benefited from a recognized and trusted mock exam with high reliability and high-quality standards. Save 10% in your next order with what you say in English. Go to takeielts.net and use the code WISE, that's W-Y-S-E, during checkout. Last week I spoke about coherence and fluency and I gave you some examples of people that would represent uh, different levels or band scores. I tried to map out the different bullet points or descriptors, that's what we call them. We call them descriptors, and I'm planning to do the same today. If you downloaded the public version of the band's uh, descriptors, you'll see that the second column is called lexical resource. If you don't have that document, uh, check out the description of this episode and you will find a link to download it. The word lexical comes from Lexis which is nothing more than a fancy word us teachers use to refer to the vocabulary. But what's included in this term? Um, examiners pay attention to quite a number of things. The first one I can mention is using idioms, something like it takes two to tango. You know, it takes two people to dance tango. 
That's uh, the long version. It means that you need two people to do something, to achieve something, uh, especially like dancing. You know, you can you could dance on your own, but it, it wouldn't be as, as good as, you know, dancing with another person. Or, for example, there's an audit, another idiom, which is, I passed my exam with flying colors. Um, you know, the flying colors would be like a good mark. You know, I passed with a very high mark. Um, so something... This is something you can say if you achieve, if you want to achieve your desired band score. But hear a word of caution. Only use idioms if you know what they mean and you're completely sure that they'd fit in the context you're talking about. Otherwise, the examiner would spot the error and will mark you down. If you look at band seven, take a look at the document, it mentions inappropriate choices. Uh, this means that if you misuse an idiom, the maximum score you'd get on this regard will probably be a 7. The more wrong expressions you use, the, the lower the band score. Other things that examiners pay attention to is your ability to paraphrase. Also, how much you use phrasal verbs, for example. How aware you are of style. Think of the speaking test as an interview. You won't definitely use slang or vulgar words in an interview, right? Well, the same applies to this test. Sometimes you can use low-frequency words. I mean, words that aren't so common and that would help you narrow down meaning. Uh, let me think of an example. Let's say you're doing part two and you're describing a rainy day in which you felt a bit nostalgic. You might say something like, um, I remember looking at the children playing outside my house while the, dr the raindrops were trickling down the window pane. Uh, that's a fantastic sentence, isn't it? <laughs> the verb trickle, T-R-I-C-K-L-E, is very uncommon. And, it, and it's more precise in meaning than saying falling down, for example. You know, when water uh, falls down slowly, it trickles. So uh, the, the drops, the raindrops can trickle down the, the, the glass of the, of the window pane, or it can trickle down your coat, for example. So that's a very narrow meaning that you can use. Going back to our descriptors, let's look at band 8. It says, uses a wide vocabulary resource readily and flexibly to convey precise meaning. Uses less common and idiomatic vocabulary skillfully with occasional inaccuracies and uses paraphrase effectively as required. Now, to illustrate this, let's listen to Angel. She is a Chinese fashion designer that appears on the Netflix show Next in Fashion. I come from Shenzhen, China, and back into my hometown, when a guy married with a woman, they will always grab the hometown inspiration to put it onto their garments. So this time, we're drawing an illustration coming from our hometown. It's really abstract, but it comes from the phoenix in my hometown. 
So as you can hear, she used a wide variety of words related to the fashion industry. She used the word garment, which is another way of saying dress. It's a very fancy word to refer to a dress. And she also talked about her hometown and she talked about the Phoenix and how the uh, she she drew parallelisms between the dress that she was creating, she was crafting, uh, by the way, this is from episode two of Next in Fashion. And she talked about how she was designing her dress, the, the dress that she was creating for that episode. So you can see, for example, it's a short clip anyway, but you can hear cl uh, clearly how she confidently used the words, for example, oh, she also talked about uh, grabbing the, the, people's, the, the people of the hometown, uh, grabbing their attention, grabbing their cultures. So it, it's, I, I wouldn't say it's the best collocation, but I think it's a very creative collocation. You can grab something, it's like taking it and make it yours. So you can hear, for example, this was a good example, in my opinion, of what it what counts as a variety of vocabulary and lexis. In, in this case, for example, a candidate, uh, should, this, this was part of the program, but you can hear, for example, that uh, she used all the vocabulary with confidence. She didn't paraphrase, she didn't have to, because paraphrasing is a skill that is usually more observable in lower band scores. But even so, if she didn't know how to explain something, if she didn't know the right word for it, she would have been able to paraphrase effectively. So at band eight or higher, um, the speaker is able to convey precise meaning by choosing less common lexical items and idiomatic language. Uh, a very wide vo vocabulary is accessed with ease, whereas test takers at lower bands uh, probably need more thought and concentration to access appropriate vocabulary. If you take a look at band seven, you'll notice that this is where a test taker starts to speak with an awareness of style, using some less common lexical items in a natural way. You will hear examples of idiomatic language, phrasal verbs, and there will also be good examples of collocation. Uh, things like to do the washing up or uh, environmental pollution or to be the life of the party. Uh, to give advice on something and you know things like that. I'm just um, I'm just giving examples of good collocations or good idiomatic language. Um, so let's listen to Javier Bardem from Spain speaking about how um, how he feels about the acting profession. Listen. Well, I I, I start uh, going to my acting acting school when I was 18 years old. And now that I'm 39, I'm still going every year. And I go there for several reasons. Uh, one of them is to find the pleasure of acting, which sometimes you get, you lose it. And you have to go back there and uh, get a hold on of what it was when you were young that made you 
uh, go ahead and be an actor. Acting is not an easy choice. I mean, people usually think that actors are people that are, uh, work constantly. That's not true. That's one percent of the actors in the world. Most of them are unemployed, and it's a hard job. So if you choose that, it's because you really, you really love, and you really need to do to do it. And um, and I felt that way, and I'm lucky enough to make a living out of that. <laughs> So as you can see, for example, he uh, used, even though what he was talking about was quite simple, he didn't use a lot of fancy vocabulary. He was also struggling a little bit, trying to find uh, the right words to say. Um, he made some pauses, which is, of course, it goes with the fluency and coherence. Um, but he used some terms, for example, he said make a living out of out of acting, for example, when he talked about the percent of people out of jobs, I mean, unemployed people. Um, he you can you can sense, for example, that he has a sense of style. I mean, he, of course, he's in an interview and he's in the mood of an interview. So you can feel, for example, that he he's managing the situation well. Uh, could it be better? Yes. I mean, I've heard uh, more recent interviews with him and he certainly has improved his English. And he knows, for example, he makes jokes now. He uh, he can adapt to the differences and nuances that sometimes TV hosts in the United States are famous for. You know, sometimes they come up with jokes and things that are hard to understand. And he's been able to, you know, handle everything with a, a lot of ease. But in this particular interview, I mean, you can feel that he was uh, trying to, he was struggling a little bit. You could feel that he was a little bit anxious at trying to find the right words. And of course, that affected, and this is how it affects uh, fluency and coherence. Um, so trying to find words, I mean, he was trying to find words, the right words to say, and he used some very very nice collocations in this case. At band six, we start to notice how a speaker struggles to find the right word. They will try to say using different words, the descriptor says generally paraphrases sex, uh, successfully. Now, the generally part tells you something that is not always successful. Attempting paraphrase is a good indicator of a speaker who is willing to keep trying to extend. So doing this is good. Their band score will reflect the level of success they have with uh, this reformulation. There is some awareness of collocation, um, but nothing that strikes up significantly. If a candidate uses many idiomatic expressions incorrectly, this is the most definitely the band score an examiner would give when it comes to lexical resource. So let's listen to how Gal Gadot, uh, Gal Gadot, uh, I'm sorry, she is, you know, Wonder Woman. She, listen to how she uses paraphrases effectively. Tell us about your character, Giselle. Obviously, she's a tough girl. She is but she's a also tough very girl, feminine, very beautiful. independent, uh, always thinks, uh, think few steps forward. Uh, she's a very strong woman who doesn't need the, 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 you know, the hero. She doesn't need to be saved by uh, anyone. She can take a good care of herself. Uh, and she's, uh, I like her. She's, I, I, I like her. I, I feel, I, I, 
I feel that in this movie, uh, Justin Lin, the director, has so much respect for women. So if you paid attention to the beginning when she was describing how a woman doesn't need to be saved by anyone, uh, she was having difficulty, a little bit of a difficulty trying to find the right words. And she paraphrased effectively. I mean, she used, uh, she deviated from the normal. I mean, she knew exactly that she didn't have the word to express herself. And then she quickly, she said, you know, and then she changed the the direction of her speech. And, and she used effectively, quite effectively. And she continued with the conversation seamless, seamlessly. No problems at all. Of course, she made some, you know, a few mistakes with grammar, but that's another thing. I mean, we, we will talk about that when we get to analyze the language part. But I think she did splendidly well and I know her English has improved also because I've seen recent interviews with her and she has done amazingly well there's a funny video on YouTube called uh, I think the, the video is named like uh, the adorable broken English of Gal Gadot uh, so if you want to search it up you know you can go ahead but again effectively use a paraphrase i mean she didn't know the word and she um you know found a way to express herself so as you can see it doesn't take much to see uh how much a person would get a better score by paraphrasing remember paraphrasing is a great tool to situations in which you don't know what to what the word for something is in english of course if you're aiming at a band seven eight or above you certainly need to expand on the vocabulary you use The last band score I'll be analyzing today is band five, uh, basically because anything under this would be associated with very familiar topics. And even so, a candidate would make frequent mistakes in word choice or show insufficient vocabulary to extend on their responses. At band five, the test taker is usually able to speak about familiar topics with ease. This includes topics uh, presented in parts one and uh, uh, two, about their country and hometown. Part three requires the speaker to extend on familiar topics, moving on to a, a more abstract discussion. Um, if a speaker has a limited vocabulary, extension will be limited in part three. I haven't mentioned this before, but part three is the chance you have to showcase how much English you know. Speaking about abstract topics that require your opinion isn't at all an easy task. Candidates with a low band score would rely on one or two expressions to give their opinions and would find themselves at a loss for words to explain something in detail. Uh, maybe this example would illustrate better what I believe a band five would look like in, in lexical resource. Jackie, welcome to Tisrael. It's quite Thank an impressive uh, display there. Uh, how old were you when you first became interested in, in the martial arts? Uh, when I was seven. When you were seven? Yeah. And you went to a special school, didn't you, called the, the Chinese Opera School? Yes. It's uh, not It's not like uh, people think uh, opera. Uh, it's not. <laughs> Hello. Yeah. I think yeah, it's but... a little bit like uh, what we would call over here a stage school, because it, it's all round training, isn't it, to go yes. into, into the arts? Uh, teach you, some teacher teach you how to sound 
Yes. Some teacher teach you how to fire. Some teacher teach you how to stick fire, chair yeah. fire, yeah. any fire. And you were a child actor while you were at that school, weren't yes. you? You appeared in films. Then you went on to become a stuntman and a choreographer. How did you get your break, though, in, into actually starring in films? Uh... Huh? How, how, how were you first asked to become an actor after being a choreographer and a stuntman? No, one day I teach the, the actor yeah. how to die. Yeah. You know, nearly dies to talk something. So the producer said, oh, Jackie, you can be an actor. You can you do your own stunt. Yes. You can stunt director, everything. I said, no, no, no. But he said, don't worry, you try it. Then I become a star. If you didn't know, that was our dear Jackie Chan, you know, our wonderful martial arts uh, artist and actor. Um, and this was a very old interview. I found it on the web. It's, uh, it, it took place around 1980, 1981, when he first started as an actor after being an, a stunt actor for a long time. And he was uh, speaking about how he became an actor and how he went to drama school and how he went to opera school. And, and, but what I wanted to show in this clip was how limited his vocabulary resource was back then. Of course, if you watch an interview now with Jackie Chan in, in you know, in the present, he can manage conversations um, a lot better, a lot better. In that uh, time, for example, he basically knew the, the word for stunt, stuntman, because that was part of his occupation. And he was already working with people from all, all around the world. And but apart from that, I mean, when he was explaining what he had to do, what the teacher had to do, I mean, he repeated the teacher had to da da da, the teacher teach you how to da da da, the teacher teach you. So he repeated the same structure over and over. And he repeated the same resource, the same technique after the second question. Um, so you can see, for example, this would be the, the kind of repetition that people or candidates, test takers with limited vocabulary would probably be able to come up with. Uh, the interview was successful. Well, yes, I mean, it, it was successful. And in, in his own right, I mean, I have to give it to Jackie that he did a good job with a little English that he knew that he knew back then. And but still, I mean, it's uh, it was quite limited. I mean, the, the vocabulary is quite limited and there's a lot of repetition. Um, there was a moment in which, for example, he didn't understand the question of the interviewer. This this was in a, a British television show and it was you know, even the recording was a, a from a VHS tape format. Um, and yes, I mean, that, that, that was a case in which, you know, the vocabulary resource was quite limited. So this would be an example of a, of a candidate with a five, a band score of five, uh, maybe a little higher, or I would say lower, the kind of repetition kind of, you know, impeded that he would, you know, that he could extend and, you know, give a proper explanation about how he became an actor. So he basically responded the question with very limited information. So, 
So in conclusion, what can we say about lexical resource? Well, there are a lot of things we can say about it. You know, going from providing personal information uh, with ease and providing non-personal information, expressing opinions, explaining, suggesting things, justifying opinions. I mean, this all comes around in the way you use vocabulary, you know, the way you speculate when you compare ideas, uh, when you repair uh, use repair strategies uh, on in conversation. Um, you know that fluency and coherence when they, when they refers refer to the ability to talk with normal levels of continuity. Um, lexical resource refers to basically the range of vocabulary that you use for that continuity. The candidate uh, should be able to use vocabulary with precision, uh, with a certain level of precision, with which meanings and attitudes can be expressed without a lot of strain from the listener, in this case, the examiner. Um, the key indicators are the, and this is what I what I want you to remember, the, uh, the key indicators are the variety of words that you use, the adequacy and the uh, appropriacy of the words used, and the ability to circumlocute, I mean, circumlocute, circumlocution that's a that's a difficult word to say um the circumlocution is the way you go around and explain something it's paraphrasing basically it's what i explained before you know get around a vocabulary gap by using other words um with or without noticeable hesitation you know that hesitation is evaluated assessed in fluency and coherence but it goes hand in hand with the vocabulary that you use because if you don't know the word you will hesitate and when you're looking for words to say that will affect your score remember that if you remember from last week i said that fluency and coherence i mean if you hesitate it should be for what to say not really uh the word that you need in, in a special situation. If you hesitate, it's basically because you, you're trying to organize your ideas in your head or trying to make, uh, sometimes it happens to all of us. I mean, even you're in your native language, in your own, in your own language, sometimes you struggle trying to explain something clearly and, and you're just trying to, uh, you know, gather up your ideas to say something coherent. But if it's due to lack of vocabulary, then it's noticeable. And the examiners are really well trained f to catch this, to really understand how this happens. So remember, how can you improve your vocabulary? Well, basically read more. Reading is a wonderful, wonderful way of learning vocabulary. Make sure that when you learn a new word, you know, due to the inconsistency of English uh, spelling and pronunciation, you have to make sure you know how to say the word. Um, and also listen to other people speak English, try to use English as much as possible. Uh, if you make mistakes, that's okay. I mean, when you practice with other people, make mistakes and make sure that you, what you said is correct. I mean, it's, it's appropriate and it's understood. And of course, that's what I'm here for. You know, you can always send me a message and I will help you. I will tell you what you're doing great. And I'm, you know, I will give you my feedback on how you, you know, probably need to improve. So, count on me, you know, also you can count on other people and being part of uh, uh, groups like Mouth and, and Kangura English 
you know, the, the, it's always a great way to communicate with other, other people and make sure that you use all the vocabulary that you've learned. So this is what I have to say. Well, this is the end of today's episode. Remember that you can follow it through any platform where it's available. Just go to the Anchor website, anchor.fm slash what you say in English and choose your favorite provider. Also, if you want, you can become a supporter. Just click the support button on Anchor and choose the amount you want. That is that simple. Never stop sending your recordings. You know, I love them all. Leave a message and I'd be happy to play it in a future episode. And don't forget that if you wish to have an interview, just send me a line to podcast at languageteaching.es. Also, share this episode with anyone who wishes to improve on their speaking skills. I love you all with all my heart. Until next week, bye-bye. <laughs>